Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your hosts, Nat Strawn and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 115 of Let's Get Haunted. And if you're new to this show and you're only here because you saw the title of the episode and maybe you were searching for it on Google and this popped up and you want to get straight to the story and you don't give a shit about our intros, about our personal lives, about who's sponsoring us, then I have great news for you. You can just expand the show notes and at the very, very top of the show notes, the first sentence you see, it's going to say skip two and it's going to have a timestamp, mm-hmm. and you can skip to that right yeah. now yeah you can skip at any time and uh we welcome you to do that also if you want to listen to the intro for a little bit and just get your toes wet and be like huh well maybe i won't listen to you guys you think you know me you yeah. think i'm gonna <laughs> fucking open these show notes and skip across because i'm like some uncultured person who can't take in new information well you're wrong then you can listen to a few moments of us and see if we were perhaps wrong about yeah. You. yeah you know what maybe your time is so valuable that you clicking on expand show notes is like a problem and I'm sorry for assuming that your time isn't valuable yeah in that case welcome to the intro (laughs) we're happy to have you we have some donors to thank this week we absolutely do I would love to give a big shout out to Kate N and Courtney Maria O Joey A and Jesse H Robin B Amanda S. and Julia S. Thank you guys so much for donating to the show. I wanted to thank Mariah D., Hazel B., Christiania E., Lindsay L., Gentry B., Sierra D., Allison S., Femi H., Katie C., Jenna S., and Lachlan F. Thank you, Lachlan, who recently donated $100. Thank you so much. We're very appreciative of all of the donations. They all add up, and they help us pay for things like our... You know what? We're not going to bore you guys with it, but they help us to keep this podcast going and running, and we are so thankful for you guys. If you want to donate, you can also expand the show notes. There's info in there on how to do that, or if you're not that kind of person, you're impulsive, you can vent Venmo at Nat Strawn or Venmo at Dogmom USA. You can go to paypal.me slash Nat Strawn or Cash App. My name is at dollar sign Natalia Strawn. And you can donate to those right now. Any amount uh, over a dollar is great because if it's under a dollar, we don't even make anything off of it because they charge us for it. Yeah, the transaction fee to like transfer money to your bank account, I think is like a dollar for PayPal. So if you send a dollar... It's almost like you're pulling a prank on us. (laughs) (laughs) Or yourself. Or yourself. Right. Who's to say? Who's to say? You can also go to letsgethaunted.com if you prefer to buy some merch. Mm -hmm. If you like to receive something in exchange for your money that isn't audio, if you want something tangible, just go to letsgethaunted.com. There's also an option there to donate. Or if you'd like to send us a coffee or a glass of holy water, you can go to our Ko-fi account, which will be linked in the show notes. All right, Natalia, are you ready for our personal haunting section? Yeah, Alyssa texted me and said she had a really good personal haunting, so I want to hear it. A guy tried to stab me with a sword. What? The other day. Okay, I feel she's laughing, but I feel like this is something that you need to talk to like a PTSD therapist for. 
Yeah, this was yesterday. What are you talking about? Why do they have a sword? Okay, let me let me ask the questions. You don't tell the story. Okay, okay wait. All right. Where was this? You know what? Let me just start from the beginning because really there's a lot of unanswered questions that I don't know if they will ever be answered, but it was in the news. Actually, you know what? Let me send you the article what and the how fuck? about you just read it? Oh my God. Are you serious? Okay. Yes. While you're sending me this article, this is reminding me of the first episode of this new show that I started watching called Tokyo Vice. And you guys start watching it. I think it's on HBO so that we can all watch it together. But in the first episode, someone does get stabbed with a sword. This is like really making me feel like synchronicity, like because I was watching oh, wow. that show. Did Maybe you that's get why this happened with to me. Sword? Also, just so you guys know, I'm looking at Alyssa and she doesn't look like she has suffered any injuries. So I feel like we're safe to talk about this. Right? Oh, well, the, if you're new to this show, you should know that anytime anything haunted happens to us, the entire point of sharing these personal hauntings is to be like, look, sometimes really haunted traumatic shit happens to you and you just got to push through oh my it. God, dude, what the fuck? OK, I'm not going to dox you, so I'm not going to say what website this is on or anything. Yeah, please. So and don't name the street names if that's I, OK. I won't. It says man arrested following report of a sword brandishing and... And there's a picture, oh my god, there's a picture of like a street with an overpass and on the street there are one, two, three, four, seven cop cars and a Hummer, like one of those like uh, army green Hummers with uh, like, it looks like a uh, some sort of gun I think planted on the top. Team. Yeah, is that a SWAT team? I'm I was pretty saying, sure. Because there's like a huge machine gun on top of this car. <laughs> Anyways, it's not a normal car, guys. There's a machine gun on top of it. And it says... Updated. A freeway off-ramp and major street were shut down briefly during the morning rush hour so that the police could take an individual into custody following a report that he had allegedly brandished a sword and made threats. Police say that the incident started around 8.30 a.m. at two locations. Police say in addition to allegedly brandishing the sword, the suspect also made verbal threats to at least one of the victims. Officers spotted the individual they believed was involved traveling in a u-haul truck they made a high risk enforcement stop because of the reports that this individual had a sword and also might have a gun police shut down northbound avenue under the 101 they say that the suspect initially refused to come out of his vehicle police brought in their armored vehicle and continued to order him out of the truck by 9, 10 a.m., he finally did and surrendered without further incident. Police arrested the 39-year-old man for misdemeanor brandishing felony-making criminal threats, misdemeanor possession of a deadly weapon with intent to assault, and misdemeanor resisting arrest. He was booked into the jail with a bail set at $60,000. The same individual is facing trial next month in connection with an incident almost a year ago in which he is alleged to have violated another person's civil rights and what prosecutors call a hate crime. The DA's office alleges he yelled a racial slur at a 51-year-old Hispanic man. He is facing a misdemeanor charge for that, plus a misdemeanor battery charge and a felony charge of trying to dissuade a witness from reporting a crime. He had been out on his own recognizance in that case when Friday's incident happened. What? You were the individual that he brandished a sword at? Yeah. How did this happen? This was all before nine o'clock in the morning? Yes. Okay, so I was driving between job sites but before I could go up to a job site in Northern California I had to stop somewhere about halfway between where my office is and where that 
location is. Right. I'm trying not to dox myself. So if this seems vague, it's because it is yeah. intentionally. Good. So I stopped somewhere to pick up igloo coolers. You guys know like when you used to play soccer or maybe you've done construction or, or work farm work before where you have those like igloo coolers and then there's like the cones and you can fill it with water. Right. You know I'm talking about yeah, like yeah, it holds yeah, water yeah. and ice. Okay. So I was going to pick up a bunch of igloo coolers from somewhere. I parked in the parking lot. I'm loading these coolers into the back of my truck. There were probably like 10 of them. All of a sudden, I hear a someone's car alarm go off. And it's really fucking loud. And what do you do when you hear a really loud, jarring noise? You turn and look, right? Yeah. So I turn, I glance over my shoulder. I see that there's some dude flailing around inside of a U-Haul truck, like a rented two-door U-Haul okay. truck. So I turn back around and I keep putting stuff into the bed of my truck. Then I hear a guy start yelling, quit fucking looking at me. Quit fucking looking at me, bitch. And I'm like, huh? So I turn and look because I'm like, is what? Like, what is happening is right now? Is this person talking to me? Yeah, are they talking to me? Is there like a fight happening? In, right. And you're, you're describing a situation that's very interesting, sir, and I'm going to need to investigate it. Right, right. And also, <laughs> do I need to get out of the way? Right. Like, is this a simple misunderstanding? Yeah. And also, the guy's car alarm had been going off for so long by this point that other people's car alarms had started going off in the parking lot. Right. So now people are leaving the building that I'm in front of to go like... A scene is forming. Yeah, a scene is forming. They're like leaving to go turn off their car car alarms right. right i look at him we make eye contact and he goes quit fucking looking at me bitch quit fucking looking at me and then he starts running towards me he pulls something from his pocket and it was dark in color and he was holding it weird so honestly i didn't know what it was right and he goes i'm gonna fucking cut your ear off you bitch i'm gonna cut your fucking ear off bitch and he's running at me and he pulls this thing out of his pocket and then someone behind me who had been turning off their car alarm goes he has a gun get inside get oh my inside God. so i go into the building and everyone like locks the doors he gets back into his u-haul truck fucking peels out super fast so i call 911 and i'm like hey um there's a person that you know whatever we think he may have had a gun i'm not yeah, really he might sure be an active shooter yeah i have no idea the police show up pretty quickly which is like a miracle because to be honest with you this is i don't know if i ever told this story on the podcast before but this is not the first time this has happened to me in that no. parking lot um, you usually do more than the police do when it comes to your town yeah. as well i would say well they normally don't do anything like in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic i was in that same parking lot loading equipment into the bed of my truck when a guy chased me with a knife and in that incident I was the only person in the parking lot because nobody was working at that time but I'm I work in agriculture which was uh what's it called like a essential industry so we were still working so in that incident my driver's side door was still open so I just jumped into my truck and drove away and I called the cops and they came and they were like well unfortunately there's nothing we can do because he didn't say he was gonna kill you or hurt you he just chased you so there's no crime that's been committed here and so I was just assuming the same thing was gonna to happen this time right. but i felt like if somebody has a weapon it's my like job to call well this time was different because he said he was gonna cut your ear off yeah right yeah. right that's true so maybe that's why they came so anyway they show up i'm talking to the cop and he's like okay well did you see what kind of weapon it was and i was like honestly to me the way he was holding it looked like a gun but also, I wasn't like sticking around to find out, Yeah, you know, like I saw it. It happened so fast. Like he's running, he's pulling it from his pocket. So I don't know. I'm like, it could have been a baton, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like about the length yeah. of a baton. You know how batons have it has a handle. It has a handle and he was holding it from the bottom handle. Right. So I was like, you know, it could have been a baton. I'm not really sure. 
And he's like, okay, like, do you think you could identify him? If you saw him, can you give a description? So I gave a description. I gave a description of the car. He has me get into the back of the cop car, drives me by um, where this guy's car is pulled over underneath the overpass, and then takes me behind a jack-in-the-box where they have the guy detained. And he's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And he, like, reads me, like, this card that says, like, we're about to ask you to identify a subject who is alleged to have committed a crime against you. Keep in mind that like people's appearances can change just because someone is detained does not mean that they are the right person. Mm -hmm. You know, perhaps we grabbed the wrong person. So like, we're going to need you to make a positive ID. You are not obligated to make an ID if you don't know, or if you're not sure, if you're not a hundred percent sure, then just say you're not a hundred percent sure. Right. Before I even see him, the guy is screaming and it's, he had a very distinctive voice and I'm like, it's the guy, it's the guy. It's yeah. the guy. And he's like, well, no, like just the voice isn't enough. I have to like drive you next to him and you're going to look out the window and like you have to see his face. For Then I see his clothes and I'm like, it's the guy. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like you need to see his face. So then I see his hair and I'm like, it's the guy. And he's like, no, okay, but what about his face? Is it the face? And I so then I see the face because he turns his head. And I was like, yeah, it's the guy. Yeah. He's like, okay, well, how sure are you on like percentage wise? And I was like, 100%. It's the guy. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, all right, 100%. Great. We'll take you and drop you back off. So then he dropped me back off and then I continued on with my day. And you found out later that it was a sword? Found out later it was a sword that he had been. So he'd been running at me with a sword, but was just holding it weird. I guess because he pulled it from his pocket. So yeah. maybe he just grabbed it by like the hilt, but in a weird, like, you know, the part that comes off of the hilt yeah, yeah, vertically, yeah. he must have just grabbed it from that. But it makes a lot more sense that he was saying, I'm going to cut your fucking ear off while holding a sword rather than a gun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyone who's just brandishing any weapon screaming, like, I just assume that they're not all there. So like, if he says he's going to cut your ear off, like, I'm not going to be like, actually, I think what you mean is you're going to shoot my ear off. Yeah. yeah. Is that what you meant? Exactly. <laughs> well, and also when stuff like that happens it happens so fast right. that it's not like you really have time to analyze yeah right so it's just like i was in the middle of putting something in the bed of my truck he's running at me pulls something black from his pocket is holding it as if it's a gun somebody behind me yells he's got a gun we run inside the building lock the door right. he peels off in his u-haul truck and then I called 911. How scary is that? Crime fucking in the Southern California is fucking crazy right now. I'm sorry yeah. you had to be a part of that. It was scary, but it also happened so fast that even though I thought like, oh, this person could like kill me or could like cause me harm, you don't really have time to like dwell on it. You just leave. Yeah. Like you just, you, you see someone charging you. And I'm also like, I'm tall, but I'm frail like I'm underweight right now because I have several illnesses so yeah. like even if he didn't have a weapon I feel like it would be super easy to kill me <laughs> like I can't really fight back and so that's what also I thought was interesting about the incident in 2020 in that parking lot I don't know I just thought it was interesting that because he didn't say he was going to kill me there was nothing they could do but like, even if that guy hadn't had a knife, if he had just decided to like punch me in the face, mm -hmm. I would absolutely die. Yeah. Well, but that's what people argue sometimes is that like people's hands can be weapons. Yeah. Right. <sighs> anyway, that's what my personal <laughs> haunting is. Wow. That's fucking. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. That is definitely haunted and deserves to be in the haunted uh, top five, I think, of personal hauntings. Let's rank uh, real quick 
credit card, I feel like for my personal hauntings, I feel like credit cards. Credit number cards one. number one. Number I think one. credit cards number one on the whole podcast. Like it definitely trumps the hauntings that I've had because that one I feel like is just chaotic and just like all of the right ways. <laughs> it's like, and it turned out it was like it, it's a success story. It's, it's as like well, yeah, it's like a negative haunting that turned into yeah. a Nick Cage, Liam Neeson positive haunting. Right. And then I think right there at number two, possibly r- perhaps tied, but in a different way, would be the possum story because oh, it's absolutely. like no one expects the possum that's broken on the side of the highway to get picked up or nurse back to help or have a crowdfunded surgery uh, or get be able to go back into the wild oh, and absolutely. live its life. And it's just kind of like reminds me of like it's the opposite of Harambe, like where that was just like a senseless death for no reason that right. everyone was sad about. This is like the opposite. Like it was like a senseless like saving that like nobody cared about. But then like once it was happening, we were like, you know what? That was actually cool. Yeah. Well, and I also think that those two personal hauntings embody the idea of personal hauntings, right. which is just like pure chaos. Like you yes. at no point during those stories can you guess what's going to happen no. next. You Never. Know? No, Never. No, no. And that's what makes a really good personal haunting. That's right. Is like you have no idea where it's going. You're just along for the ride. Right. And then afterwards, you're just like, well, you know what? I'm really glad that wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Natalia, let's get into today's episode. I'm ready. Today's story has been highly requested over the years by our Mexican and Mexican-American listeners. What? It is a terrifying tale that is equal parts creepy, intriguing, and tragic. A mix of historical fact and local legend regarding a piece of land, now a tourist attraction, that some say is cursed. So, without further ado, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Mm, I, I don't know. I don't want to say I agree until I know what it is. What is it? Abrochate el puto cinturón or buckle the fuck up because it's time for a Mexican haunting. What? I'm really excited. What's the difference between a Mexican haunted, haunting and just a haunting? It happened in Mexico. Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Part one, Xochimilco. Let us first begin by setting the scene for where this story takes place. As I said at the top of the show, today's story takes place in Mexico, but those unfamiliar with the geography of Mexico may be surprised to know that this country is fucking huge. In fact, it's actually the 13th largest country by area in the world and the 10th largest country by population with the most Spanish speakers out of any country in the world. So me just saying, oh, this story takes place in Mexico is actually super unhelpful and nondescript until we start to narrow it down. Right, like which part of Mexico? Right, because it's very different depending on which region you're in. Climate's different, geography's different, customs and local legend is different. So we've got to narrow it down. I can't just say it's a Mexican haunting and leave it at that. Yeah. Mexico is organized as a federation comprised of 31 states and Mexico City, its capital. Americans can think of Mexico City as similar to our Washington, D.C., where it's not a state, but like it's super fucking important, right? It's the capital. Right, okay. Mexico City is one of the world's largest cities with a population of approximately 21 million people, making it the most populous city in all of North America. Wow, that's crazy. I've, you know, I've heard, I want to go there someday, but I've heard stories about Mexico City, about like how huge it is and how awesome it is and 
how uh, there's like ancient ruins buried underneath the streets and like it's just this crazy fucking beautiful amazing place and I really want to go there and this story I feel like is going to like further that want. Oh this is absolutely going to give you that like extra push you need to go and look at what we're going to talk about today. But I want to give a little bit of comparison. 21 million people live in Mexico City. And for comparison, only about 4 million people live in Los Angeles. I could not live there then. I don't know. It's too, it's many, too many people, people here. I don't, I don't understand that. Do, is it like... Is it enough space for everyone? So that's a great question. So I looked it up and Mexico City is a little over 570 square miles. And Los Angeles is around, I think, like 500 and 510 square miles. No, so it's the same size. This is this is the thing that I can't wrap my head around because I've heard this about China, too. Like, oh, this is like the world's largest population. And in my mind, I'm like, OK, so you're mowing your lawn and then you run into someone else mowing their lawn. Yeah. You know, like it's like a bunch of people. And in it's one just people spot. mowing their lawns. Yeah. For for miles around right exactly is that what it's like there or is it or is it not like if you're driving your car are you just like looking out and see other people driving their cars like for just eternity everywhere because it's just so many people i mean i would defer to our listeners who live in mexico city but i can say my co-worker who used to live in Mexico City but is not from there, she said that she doesn't like going to Mexico City because it's too crowded. <laughs> Guys, if you're listening and you are from Mexico City, Distrito Federal, leave a comment on our photo yeah, dump. Spread your episode. arms and legs as much as you can. And if you can touch another person while you're doing let that, us know. let us know. So like I said, for comparison, only about 4 million people live in Los Angeles, California. It is within this bustling metropolis that our story today takes place. Mexico City is a little over 570 square miles, partitioned into 16 boroughs, which are further divided into neighborhoods or colonias. Natalia, I am now going to show you two maps so that we can begin to get our bearings. The first is a map of Mexico showing all 31 states plus Mexico City, and the second is a zoomed-in map showing the 16 boroughs of Mexico City. You guys, I'm looking at a map of Mexico, and I don't know how to talk about maps without sounding stupid. If you guys want to see these maps, you can go to at Let's Get Haunted and look at them on Instagram. But basically, Mexico is located to the south of the United States and north of Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. Mexico City is located in, like, I would say maybe, like, the southern middle region of Mexico. And then looking at the 16 boroughs, the one that we're talking about today is Xochimilco, which is roughly in the middle of the map. I'm really glad that you're doing this episode because I forget that a lot of these names are in a different like phonetic language. Like so you're saying Xochimilco, and then I was looking on there looking for S-O-C-H-I-M-I-L- K-O. Yeah. And I was like, where is this bitch? And then I see like an X somewhere and I'm like, oh, I forgot. They, right. That That's can't that's allowed now. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so a lot of these names uh, originally come from the language of Nahuatl. And so you have to like 
get used to seeing like, oh, yeah, okay, an X can also be like an S noise. Right. And that's also what I love about this podcast. I tweeted the other day, like the only reason why I know anything about geography in general is because of this podcast. Oh, same. Right. Like if there was a crazy haunting that happened somewhere, I'm like an encyclopedia. I can tell you how large the county was. I can right. tell you what year it was made into a township. Um, but if you ask me just any other basic questions, if there was no hauntings there, I can't, I don't know, sir. Look, if you tell me to point out Nebraska on a map, there's a 50-50 <laughs> shot. I'm going to get it wrong. But if you tell me to point out Xochimilco on a map, I can tell you where it is because I know about a crazy haunting there. Yeah. And over time, we're going to fucking know about everything that happened on this earth. That's honestly my goal, because if I ever get on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and there's a geography question, I feel like with the help of this podcast, I will win the million dollars. I want that for you. The location of today's story is situated within the borough of Xochimilco, sometimes referred to as the Venice of Mexico. Oh, cool. So is it going to have canals? Yes. Oh, my God. Wait, why don't I know about this? Like, why don't... Maybe because they don't want tourists to come there, but, like, why is this not... Why More do publicized, I not, Yeah, right. why do I not know about the Venice of Mexico? Or perhaps the Venice in Italy is actually the Xochimilco of, of Italy. Italy. Wow. Wow. We may have just uncovered a conspiracy. So, Natalia, I'd like us to watch a two-minute clip of a video entitled Discovery Atlas, Mexico uploaded to the Discovery YouTube channel about the borough of Xochimilco. Oh, I'm going to love this. I love these types of things. The capital of Mexico was built on the ruins of Tenochtitlan, the fabled floating city of the Aztecs. The central plaza, or Zocalo, was originally built in the center of a large lake. Canals serve where streets run today. The Spanish drained the lake with an elaborate system of pumps and pipes, eventually sending the water east clear to the Gulf of Mexico. Over the next four centuries, Mexico has been forced to expand this pumping operation to keep the city dry. Vestiges of the Aztec waterway still exist in the southern end of Mexico City. The floating gardens of Xochimilco have been designated a World Heritage Site. Here, farmers still cultivate crops on floating islands and navigate narrow canals with flat-bottom boats. These land parcels are called chinapas. They are kept in place by a system of roots and trees planted along their borders. are working farms. A mild climate allows farmers to grow all manner of flowers and vegetables. They have abundant yields from these fertile lands, allowing three to five plantings per year. Historians tell us that the Aztecs sustained a population of one million people in the Valley of Mexico from an extensive system of hydro cultivation. I'm so glad you showed me that video. Are you going to play that in the podcast? Yeah, I'm going to play a section of it for okay. sure. So I'm so glad that I saw that because I would have never known that cool part about Mexico City. I didn't know this. But yeah, like in the video, there's literally canals and there's people who are on um, like these, like they look like canoes that like have been- Like gondolas, right? Yeah, yeah. There's like gondolas and canoes and they've got 
um, these like big sticks or I don't I don't know what it is because they didn't describe it. So I'm just telling you guys what I saw. Saw people standing on boats with sticks like moving Pushing themselves. Yeah. yeah. And there was like farming happening like on um, these like plots of land that are just surrounded by water. So it does look like an island. And in that video, it was saying that like since the Aztec times or whatever, that like they had drained the city because I guess it used to be more underwater or something. And, and maybe Tenochtitlan was like had more floating islands because it was more underwater. Yeah. And there's actually like a really cool fucking legend about Tenochtitlan um, that I think should be its own episode. I feel like the Aztec Empire needs to be its own episode I'm sure people are familiar, hopefully, with the Aztecs, but it's incredibly advanced civilization. Right. What they did in 200 years was insane, like one of the most advanced civilizations for its time, for sure. And what they did was they built a city on top of a swamp. There's a bunch of different legends, and I'm going to go a little bit into it when we get to the theories for this episode. But here's like the TLDR. Okay. There's a couple different versions, but this is the coolest one. So the Aztecs had moved to, were looking around. They were traveling around. They were nomadic. Right. And they were trying to find a place to settle. And there was this legend that if you see an eagle on top of a cactus with a serpent in its hand, oh. that's where you're supposed to like make your city and they happen to find that vision in a swamp so they're like all right it's a swamp but like this is what we're the gods want us to do and they fucking killed it they wow. had this entire system of like floating cities using like reeds and sticks you know what let me show like you a, a picture and then they would stack mud and rocks and dirt and they would stack it stack it stack it until it was above the water line and then they would build structures on top of that land and they had like a really sophisticated way of making like stilt foundations right. and this is the 1300s yeah and then they would also farm on top of these quote-unquote floating gardens which is pretty fucking cool well their god was just fucking like they had the right god yeah right? that's what i was saying too like our god can't motivate people to do shit yeah. like we can't even fucking agree on where to put stop signs in the city that's you know? yeah i mean look They're, modern yeah. day problems they right? their god was like hey you see this shit and you do what I say. And they're like, oh, we see that shit and it doesn't make sense, but we're going to do what they say. They just trusted the process. It worked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, like you said, that that neighborhood is pretty stunning, right? Like, yeah. So that is leftover floating gardens from the Aztec Empire. Well, I'm sure it's super fucking haunted then. Right. So and like you said in the video, they talk about how the whole city used to be like that. Yeah. But then the Spaniards came and they decided that they were going to pump out the water. So uh, Mexico City is sort of like a Spanish plaza design. Um, like there's a Zocalo in the middle, mm -hmm. like a, like a like town a plaza. plaza. Yeah. And then they have big buildings and it's very, very modern. But then you go a little bit south into this borough of Xochimilco and you can see the like leftover ancient ruins ancient yeah it's it's ancient floating they're called chinampas and i'm going to talk about them in a little bit oh my god i love this it's i love learning love about new cultures because i like I, it makes me feel like there's hope like you know this isn't all there is like there's yeah. more things that i don't know about i yeah i totally agree <laughs> So as we just heard in the video, Xochimilco is comprised of a system of floating gardens and farmable wetlands intertwined with canal waterways where citizens and tourists travel by boat to get from island to island. The name Xochimilco comes from the language of Nahuatl and means flower field. The name harkens back to the pre-Hispanic period when farming communities first began growing flowers on floating gardens called chinampas. 
Although most of these islands are still used today for homes, crop production, or both, one of these islands is distinctly different from the rest. How is it distinctly different from the rest? Imagine, Natalia, if you will, floating peacefully down one of these picturesque canals, surrounded on either side by lush green trees, prickly cacti, colorful flowers, and tall stalks of golden corn swaying gently in the breeze. Oh my god, this is amazing. This is like being back in the womb. I feel so safe. Your chalupa, or gondola, is festively decorated with colorful designs that, besides being visually pleasing, serve as a nod to Xochimilco's Aztec roots. These chalupas are also referred to as trajineras by locals. As you continue to glide through the water, observing the waterfowl flitting from garden to garden, your trajinera suddenly makes a turn down an unfamiliar waterway. Although the sun shines brightly, you notice that the birds are no longer singing. In fact, you don't see any birds at all anymore. Oh no, what's happening? <laughs> the air feels somehow colder. No. <laughs> the breeze cuts through your clothing like a knife. This always happens to me. Something just feels off. As you shiver with increasing unease, something catches your eye. Instead of stalks of silk and corn swaying in the crisp breeze, your eyes are greeted by something else. A single doll with a string tied around its neck like a noose swaying back and forth from a creaking tree branch. As your trajinera passes under the doll, you notice that it's missing an arm. Its glassy eyes stare back at you, unthinking, unfeeling, yet somehow alive. The doll is so out of place from the usual scenery of the canals that it will take you some time to process it. But before you can make sense of what you've just seen, your boat suddenly comes upon a dilapidated house, rotting with missing planks of wood throughout. This would not be so unusual if not for the fact that it is completely covered in hundreds of rotting, decaying, and dismembered baby dolls, which hang from trees, fences, and structures located on the floating chinampa. Why? That's right, you have accidentally stumbled upon La Isla de las Muñecas, or the Island of the Dolls. What? Why is it? Why? Is that, is this creeping you out so far? Yeah, no, I mean, I was like really meditating, thinking about myself on that lovely raft, like the sun was shining, uh, the corn was swaying, there's birds. I was really there. Like, even now I'm closing my eyes and I'm like smiling fondly, remembering it. Why did I go to that other place? <laughs> it's it's a bait and switch, right? Like, oh, here's my happy place. Imagining right. floating down a beautiful waterway. Oh, it's so picturesque. Oh, right. like the history, the, the culture. And then all of a sudden your boat takes a wrong turn and you're in nightmare land. Why, though? Why <laughs> Why did I have to do that? This is an existential question that I know we can't answer on the podcast, but I'm just mourning the fact that we have to do that. And I'm so sorry <laughs> to have to take you there, but it's about to get worse. Oh, no. Part two, the legend. Like with all good hauntings, it is hard to separate fact from fiction with this legend. 
And over the years, many versions of the origin of La Isla de las Muñecas have been published, making it next to impossible to know just which version of the tale is true. With this disclaimer in mind, I will now relay this horror story to you, to the best of my ability, according to the scariest versions of the many articles, blog posts, and videos that I have consumed on the subject. Ready? Yes. So you're basically describing one of these little farm island type things. It's not a farm. It's just a bunch of dolls hanging by strings around their neck and just like hundreds of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine. And not like cute. This is not like a cute situation. Oh, no. This is like ugly, scary, like come alive at night dolls. Oh, horrible. It's absolutely nightmare fuel. And I'm going to show you a video of it after I tell you this legend, because I want to give you the opportunity to picture it first and then show you the video, which is 10 times worse than anything you could ever imagine. (sighs) So let me tell you the origin of this island. There once was a man named Don Julian Santana Barrera. By all accounts, Don Julian came from a large and loving family. But despite his warm upbringing, or perhaps because of it, he slowly grew to value solitude above all else. Some say that Don Julian was happily married to a beautiful woman with a healthy baby boy when one day, for unknown reasons, he decided to abandon them without saying so much as a word. Others say that he caught his wife cheating, which caused him to go crazy. Still others say that he was rejected by a lover he had taken. Other versions of the story say that Don Julian was simply done with life in the big city. But whatever his reasons, the fact is that Don Julian abruptly made the decision one day to leave his family and move to one of Xochimilco's chinampas sometime in the late 1950s. Don Julian figured that since chinampas are only accessible via boat and waterway, moving to one of these islands would give him the opportunity to live alone, unbothered for the rest of his life, shunning love, family, and companionship, all things that had only caused him pain and disappointment. Just a second here. Sometimes I identify with this Don Julio guy, right? Yeah. Because sometimes it's like when your life is really hard and you're feeling emo and depressed, you're like, I'm just going to run away to a place where like nothing or no one can affect me. And uh, all of these tragic things have just happened to me. You're sort of feeling sorry for yourself. And you're like, I'm not like getting love or respect or anything from other people or things in my current life. If I just completely switch this up 100%, then like I can leave my old life behind. Totally. I think that that is also what adds like a layer of relatability to this story. Because look, Don Julian was wronged in some way, clearly, because one day he just woke up and was like, fuck this. Right. I am going to move to the most isolated place where you can't drive a car to come see me. Right. You're going to have to go through a whole process of like getting on a trajinera. You're going to have to pay. You're going to mm-hmm. have to figure out which floating island I'm on. Like right. you're going to have to dock. Like it's a whole process. Yeah. So he's like, fuck this. People have only let me down in my life. Yeah. I'm moving. Right. Relatable. Now, how does he turn into all the dolls, though? That's the part that I'm, like, wondering about. At first, Don Julian's plans seemed to be paying off. Although his one-room cabin was modest, he was able to spend every day rising with the sun and tending to his garden completely alone. Okay, yeah, see, this is the fantasy. Everything so far was just how he imagined it would be. But one day, 
as Don Julian was going about his daily chores, a strange noise broke the silence of his secluded island. It was a terrible noise. He could only describe it as incomprehensible shrieking mixed with a gurgling, bubbling sound, which cut through the usual peace and harmony of Xochimilco's wildlife. The sound seemed to be growing nearer to the shores of his chinampa. But what was it? Don Julian laid down his spade in his garden and walked briskly toward the direction of the shrieking. To his horror, as he drew closer to the shore, it became undeniably clear. He saw a small child in the canal, her white lace dress soaked and her hair plastered under a straw hat. Scraggly wet strands pasted against her eyes and nose, breathing in gulps of water with air as she struggled, drowning to death. Well, he saved, he's got to save her. In some versions of the story, Don Julian is so horrified that all he can do is stand helplessly on the shore, watching as the child takes her last breath, ultimately disappearing underneath the water forever. In other versions of the tale, Don Julian is brave. He takes action, immediately jumping into the canal and dragging the girl's limp body to shore where he attempts to resuscitate her. But in either of these versions, the outcome is ultimately the same. He is too late. The child is gone. Dripping with water, Don Julian can only cry, holding the girl close to his chest as he rocks back and forth in agony. Her body is cold. Her lips are blue. Her eyelids are open, but her eyes look just like a doll's, glassy and empty. After alerting the authorities, the girl's body is taken from Don Julian's chinampa. Her heartbroken parents are alerted and she is laid to rest. The story relayed by the authorities is that the girl had either lived on or been visiting a friend on a neighboring island located just a few miles upstream from where she ultimately died. The girl had been playing close to the water's edge with a friend when, for an unknown reason, she ended up in the canal. Not knowing how to swim and weighed down by her dress and straw hat, all she could do was thrash around screaming while the slow-moving current carried her away from the shore and down the waterway. The death of this member of Xochimilco's community was difficult for everyone in the area, but Don Julian, who had the misfortune of actually witnessing the girl's death firsthand, was completely and utterly traumatized. At night, he was plagued by nightmares of screaming children. Their hands outstretched to him as they wailed, Sir, won't you rescue me? Why won't you save me? The pleas echoed from their elongated ghostly mouths as their eyes rolled back in their heads. Don Julian began waking himself up from these bad dreams with his own screaming, a cold sweat perpetually running down his forehead and soaking through his sheets. He could only pray that with time, he would heal from this trauma and the night terrors would leave him in peace. Then, one day, as Don Julian was again carrying out his daily chores on the island, something caught his eye as he walked by the section of the shoreline where he had dragged the child from the water. As he drew closer, Don Julian fell to his knees. It was a doll, a waterlogged baby doll, dressed in a white lace dress and wearing a straw hat, covered in mud and debris from the canal. Her unfeeling eyes stared back at him, and suddenly, 
a small voice filled his head. Sir, why didn't you save me? Don Julian shakily picked up the doll in his arms, holding it in a tight embrace, and began to weep, again rocking back and forth, filled with guilt, desperation, and pain. Maybe if he had tried just a little bit harder, done things a little bit differently, he would have been able to save the child. Maybe her death was somehow partially his fault. But then he began to feel angry. This wasn't his fault. He had tried his best to save the child, but by the time she had floated near his island, she'd already been struggling in the water for God only knows how long. What else could he have possibly done? Was God mocking him? Had a neighbor purposefully planted the doll on his shore? In a fit of frustration, he threw the doll as hard as he could downstream. It landed with a small splash in the middle of the water. He got up, wiping his tears away with the back of his hand, and returned to his work. This is like a typical man. Like, I clearly need, like, a lot of therapy, but I'm just going to go back to work and ignore it. Right. I should probably talk to someone. I know I wanted a life of solitude, but I should probably, you know, just accept right. that I need maybe, you know, I'm sure the 50s, there wasn't great access to mental health care, no. but talk to a family member, do, right? Yeah. Do whatever you need to do. You need to plant a tree. Like, meditate. Yeah. You need to meditate. You need to call on your God or whatever and go find a new island. But like, don't just ignore it. Well, that night when he finally drifted off to sleep, Don Julian was plagued by the worst night terror yet. That night, the drowned girl visited him in his dreams. Why had he thrown her doll away, she demanded to know. Stay back, Don Julian yelled at her, terrified, as she stumbled closer and closer to him. Suddenly, he was awoken again by his own screams. He could feel his bed underneath his body. Thank God the dream wasn't real. He opened his eyes. The girl's cold, blue, dead face was floating above him her rotting nose an inch away from his. She smiled, and canal water fell from her mouth onto his face. Thrashing his arms, Don Julian fell from his bed and onto the floor. When he got up, the ghostly apparition was gone. The next morning, he again tried to continue with his daily chores, reasoning that what he had experienced the night before was nothing more than a dream within a dream. There's no way the ghost of the child had really visited him inside his home. He again made his way across the shoreline when he was stopped dead in his tracks. It was impossible. It couldn't be. But yes, it was. The doll was back. This time it was sitting upright on the same piece of shoreline where he had found it before. It almost seemed like the head was slowly turning to look at him as he approached. The same voice filled his head. Why didn't you save me? This time, Don Julian knew what he had to do. It was clear to him that he would never be at peace until he could appease the child's soul who had died there. As an offering, he affixed the doll to the side of his house, vowing to never again attempt to destroy it. That night was the first night in weeks that he was able to sleep without nightmares. Grateful for his first nightmare-free sleep in ages, Don Julian decided to keep the doll nailed to the side of his house. It must have been a toy that the girl had sadly drowned with, and maybe keeping it on his island would deter her spirit from haunting him. 
For a few days, all was quiet and peaceful on the Chinampa. Breathing a sigh of relief, he assumed that everything had returned to normal, and that evening he built a small bonfire next to his cabin to cook some food and take in the tranquility of nature that he had moved to Xochimilco for in the first place. He settled into his chair, bundled up next to the fire, and stared at the moon above, listening to the light breeze rustle the leaves of the trees around him. Then he heard a splash. Looking out at the canal in the moonlight, he saw a figure slowly rising up from the water. It was unmistakable. The silvery, misty soul of the drowned child stared at him with black eyes, water cascading from her straw hat as she hovered just inches above the water in the middle of the canal. Don Julian and the ghost both stared at each other for several minutes. Will you come play with me, mister? The ghost asked meekly. Don Julian ran quickly inside his cabin, locking the door behind him. The next day, he knew what he had to do. Venturing out of Xochimilco and into Mexico City, he began to collect any doll he could find. Okay, that is not what I thought he was going to say he should do. I thought he was going to be like, oh, I should go get a priest. I should go get uh, serious help with my mental state. Um, I should perhaps go to like some sort of paranormal investigator. Uh, perhaps I should like get an amulet or do some sort of ritual or go, uh, you know, just literally do anything other than what you said he did. <laughs> but he's thinking this is going to be offerings to the soul of this lost child who apparently is trying to play with him. Perhaps she doesn't realize she's dead and doesn't realize she's freaking him the fuck out. Mm. So he's thinking, OK, I'm going to go get her a bunch of dolls to occupy her and appease her spirit. OK, so once in the city, he begins to collect any doll he could find. He went dumpster diving, picked dolls up off the street, and even bought a few with what little money he had. Returning to his island, he began to place the dolls everywhere he could, hanging them from branches over the canal, tying them to branches in the trees of his property, nailing them to the outside wall of his home and shed, and even sitting them in small plastic chairs. Finally, satisfied, he went to bed. Over the next decade, Don Julian would acquire hundreds upon hundreds of dolls. Legends say that he never allowed any doll to be touched, taken, or moved out of fear that it would displease the little girl's spirit. As a result, he never threw away even the oldest of the dolls, even after their heads and limbs had fallen off due to weather, wildlife, and the passage of time. He became obsessed with finding dolls and could frequently be seen rummaging through trash cans in the city each week, transporting broken and dirty toys back to his island in a cart, where he would then spend the rest of his day tying and nailing them to every square inch of the Chinampa. Unfortunately, the beautiful canals of Xochimilco became a dumping ground for many people's garbage. But although this polluted the borough's canals, it offered another opportunity for Don Julian to find more dolls, and his neighbors became used to seeing him fishing trash and dolls from the canal as the years wore on. As word of his strange island spread throughout the town, locals and tourists alike began taking boat rides to visit the curious Chinampa and its eccentric caretaker. Don Julian was surprisingly accepting of the visitors, as long as they brought a doll with them to leave on the property to soothe the spirit of the girl who had drowned, 
and also the spirits of other drowning victims that Don Julian claimed he had begun to see throughout the canals. Oh my God. He claimed that for some reason, both ancient spirits and recently deceased ghosts of Aztecs, Mexicans, and tourists that perished in Xochimilco had begun to flock to his property at night, watching him from the waters and sitting on tree branches at the edge of his shoreline. Perhaps they were drawn there because they knew it was a safe place to rest. Don Julian continued collecting dolls up until his death on April 17, 2001. By this time, the caretaker of the Island of the Dolls was well into his 70s or 80s, depending on which version of the story you believe. But in one last mysterious act, Don Julian's lifeless body was found on his island in the exact place where he had pulled the drowned girl's body ashore many decades before, dead of an apparent heart attack. It seems that at last, the spirits were finally able to claim Don Julian as their own. In some versions of the story, Don Julian's body was actually found floating in the water, face down, also drowned to death, just like the girl. Following his tragic death, his nephew, Anastasio Santana, took over as caretaker of La Isla de las Muñecas. On February 13, 2019, Anastasio Santana also died, though whether or not he too died on the island is hotly debated. Today, the island remains untouched, just as Don Julian intended. Nobody lives there. As of two years ago, an estimated 2,500 dolls were counted on the island, and each year the number grows as more and more tourists visit and leave dolls to pay their respects both to Don Julian and his favorite doll, Agustinita, the very first doll that washed ashore on his island twice and began his obsession. According to legend, the name of the doll does not correspond to the name of the child who drowned, but rather pays homage to the first day that the doll washed ashore, the 28th of August, the day dedicated to the Catholic Saint Agustin. Perhaps because of her name, it is thought that the baby doll Agustinita is capable of granting the wishes and deepest desires of those tourists who honor her with offerings during their visit. However, those who choose to deface or steal from the island by taking a doll instead of leaving one are said to meet with a grisly fate, dying within 24 hours from the act. Their souls are then said to be pulled back to the island, cursed to forever wander the shores of the Chinampa for all of eternity. And that is the story of La Isla de las Muñecas. Natalia, what are your thoughts so far? Oh my God. I have so many thoughts at once. There were like so many points that I wanted to interrupt and then I was like no 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 no, don't do it (laughs) and now I'm just like in a coma of thoughts because I like wasn't able to express them so I started writing some of them down as you were talking because I was just like I could foresee that this was not going to be good so um first of all this is a this story was Don Julio Don Julian was Don Julian was he a real person yes and, and he, I'll show you a picture of him. He's real. And he actually lived on that island. Yes. And he actually got those dolls. Yes. And people actually could come to his island and leave a doll. Yes. 
but the legends are we don't know why he moved there or like what the dolls represented or did he tell people i see these drowned spirits he told people that he was seeing drowned spirits what the fuck but we're gonna talk when we get to the theories a little bit in a little bit first i want to hear your thoughts right but when we get to the theories in a little bit we'll talk about different discrepancies between what he said and what we can verify but yeah (sighs) he said he was seeing drowned spirits oh my god my first thought was like obviously this is like the fantasy right like when nothing's going right in your life you're just like okay i'm gonna abandon this life rather than fix it and just go start somewhere anew but then now the story is really making me feel like that that doesn't work like you can't do that because your demons or your ghosts are just gonna follow you like he had anxiety about his previous life with his relationships whether it was that he was abandoning his family or he was abandoned by a lover or he was betrayed in some sense uh something he thought should keep him protected like had betrayed him right Right. and so then he comes to this island being like you know what fuck that i'm just gonna like live on my own and but but it doesn't work like again he has this feeling that this like haunting abandonment thing just follows him there right and it happens with this child it doesn't matter whether he tried to save the child or wasn't able to move it's still um, the fact that he felt some sort of responsibility towards this child. And it, like I said, it wouldn't matter what he did. He was always going to be haunted by the fact that it had happened. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree with you. And you actually just brought up a really good point. There's this idea in society of going back to nature to fix your yeah. problems, right? Like that book, Into the Wild, right. where that guy went to the wilderness of Alaska. He That guy had a super fucked up life. We're right. not going to get into it. It probably could be its own episode. But he ended up dying there yeah. in the wilderness. And, right. you know, the Unabomber hated society. That's mm-hmm. obviously a different situation, but had a fucked up life. Yeah. Hated society, went into the woods and went crazy or perhaps he was already unwell we don't know right and ended up you know killing a bunch of people and getting arrested like this idea that you can go back to nature to to solve your problems is only like part of the solution right right yeah and there's that famous quote that's like i went into the woods to get lost but to find myself or whatever yeah like henry david throw yeah it's like very romanticized or emerson i don't remember font over like a foggy like silhouette of a forest right totally and it makes you feel like oh yeah you know when i'm in the throes of of whatever relationship problems I'm having or whatever career struggles I'm having or whatever fucking guy chasing me with a sword (laughs) issues I'm having. If I could just get away for a moment to clear my head and just reconnect and recenter myself without these external sources that I could somehow overcome whatever it is I'm going through because I was able to go to a place where none of those things were happening. Right. But th- but again, it's only part of the solution, right? Like right. that show alone that you and I love. Yes. On uh, is it on Netflix or Hulu now? There's a one season on Netflix. Okay, I I you think I watch it on, on Hulu. Too. Yeah. So like that one always the show always starts with a quote like what you just said yeah. about like I went into the woods and found to find myself, but then the woods like found me yeah, or something. Exactly. You know, like yeah. it's always something like that. And in that show, if you've ever watched it, it's people who are totally alone totally isolated trying to live off the land for as long as possible and it's very easy to like have the problems you thought you were leaving behind come up you know because there's nothing else you can think about right yeah exactly or like say in your real life or not your real life say in your life uh before you were you know alone in the wilderness you were having uh issues of uh intimacy or something connecting with other people so if you think oh i'm great i would be fine to go out and be alone by myself right because there's no other people and that's my whole thing is like i have a problem connecting with other people so i'm good those people still really really struggle because of the that issue they they're not 
not able to be intimate with anybody that like makes them feel alone while they're alone or they're with other people yeah. you know it's like something you have to fix at the root so like in on one sense of just not even this being like a haunted story it's it's almost just like a tale of what do you call those like a, it's not a cautionary tale but it's like children's stories like a fable a fable yeah it's like a fable almost where it teaches you sort of a lesson it's like you might think that you will feel better when you go and get on your own private island but really you're gonna become yeah. a haunted fucking guy that has a bunch of dolls and everyone's gonna tell stories about you after you're dead right yes. <laughs> Totally. It's a very tragic tale, no matter what you believe. If you're a skeptic, it's still tragic. If you're a believer, it's really fucking tragic. Right. Uh, Yeah. Also, the idea, like the theme of drowning is really interesting because it's it's here and it's permeated throughout this entire story. Right. Like he's seeing these drowning spirits, but he also feels like he's being drowned himself, like in his life. He's just trying to be on this fucking cabin gardening and shit. Yeah, Yeah. But he's like overwhelmed with uh these spirits and seeing all of this and it's almost like he can't like fucking get out himself like he can't find a grounding thing and he eventually tries to like take some sort of control of the situation um and like start collecting these dolls but then like even he becomes drowned by that in a sense like he has to collect these dolls otherwise something terrible happens it's like it seems like he he has to be doing something all the time otherwise something terrible is happening no that's a really astute observation i mean i think if anyone's listening who has to take like their english ap (laughs) exam you know like if you were to read this story in the english ap exam these themes would be you know the the thing to talk about right right? like and i can relate to the feeling of like something horrible is happening to you and you just want a little bit of control yeah so what do you do you try to collect dolls in this situation because there's nothing you can do how do you become unhaunted right it's really tough it's hard it's really really tough and i think yeah i i've been noticing that in my own just life in general like when there's a lot of chaos i try to take control by doing something and it like might look crazy at the time but then then, uh, but then it, it makes you feel a little bit better because you're like, oh, you know, if I'm getting up and I'm, uh, I don't know, like I'm, uh, what's an example? Like if I go take this yoga class this morning, that is something I can control. Exactly. Like I can force myself to do that. And then like I can check it off on a list and then I'll be like, oh, wow, I did something good today. Right. That I could control where like nothing else I can, you know? So it's like, uh, I feel like this was like his yoga was collecting these dolls. Totally. Or like, you know, people make fun of women for when they go through a breakup, they dye their hair or cut their bangs. But like, that's what this stems from. It's it's trying to take back the control of a situation where you feel totally out of control. Right, exactly. Yes, yes. I totally agree with that. I'm actually in the middle of a hair change right now. But it looks good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Sometimes taking control of your body like it just looks good oh absolutely (laughs) i totally agree it's all we can do um yeah another favorite is like getting piercings or tattoos same thing why does it feel so satisfying and so good when you're like going through something i don't know but it just does it feels it feels it's an attempt to take back the control and sometimes you can use that for positive means and other times it results in really unhealthy habits like obsession with exercise or obsession with losing weight because you're trying to take back this feeling of helplessness. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The other thing I was thinking about during the story, and I'm sure we'll talk about this as part of the theories, but uh, I can't help myself. I wonder if he was called to that island. Like, does the oh. island have some sort of spirit 
and it calls these sort of uh, restless people, restless spirits to the island. And it like perhaps called this man there as its caretaker, right? Like right. if we think of the island as being alive almost, like it was going to be this sort of like purgatory graveyard for all of these drowning spirits. But it knew that it needed to have like a real person there to take care of it. Yeah. Then perhaps he was like that person that took care of it. You know? Yeah, maybe the universe knew that he had this like sensitivity to spirits and that he was the right person. He's already a sensitive haunted like going through something guy and it pulled him because they knew this guy's going to be able to see the spirits and he's going to be able to like create a safe environment where now all the drowning victims can congregate you know like why do i keep trying to get stabbed by (laughs) random people maybe so like uh, people see me and they're like wow she's really stabbable you know what I mean like she can we can like definitely like right. you know we're like they're drawn to it maybe right. I have stabby energy we don't yeah. know maybe Don Julian had like ghostly energy maybe he's radiating some sort of energy I, I say that like when the chaos is happening to me that I'm radiating negative energy right and perhaps it's like that too like he can't control it he has like this force field this magnetic field that's drawing in spirit to him right you know and he was drawn like a moth to the flame to this fucking crazy ass haunted island yeah i Um, think that's a i think that's a great hypothesis yeah yeah that was kind of like how i thought and then i also thought it was really interesting how at the end he ends up drowning yes is that true that's how he died well there's two different versions of the legend so one is that he died of a heart attack in the spot where he had dragged her to shore And in other versions, he's found face down in the same area where the girl had drowned. And instead of dying of a heart attack, he had drowned. So we're not really sure. Maybe if we're meeting in the middle, we could say he died of a heart attack and then fell in the water. Mm. Um, But what his family says, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. His family says, no, it was an accident. You know, like, but then local legend is, no, he was murdered by these (gasps) spirits. What? That's what I was kind of feeling like. Mm -hmm. He was, maybe he was drawn there. There was a spirit that was like, come help me. Like, I'm dying or whatever it is. And he, like, went into the water to try to help them. And they, oh, my God, I'm getting, like, fucking shingles. Shingles. What is it? (laughs) I'm getting tingles. I'm getting shingles. I'm I'm panicking. It's too scary. Right. To think that. I'm sweating. Yeah. He's, like, actually helping this child that's drowning. But then the fucking thing turns on him and drowns him. Drowning, uh, or maybe the spirits just loved him so much because he was taking care of them that they were they claimed him as their own, right? Or like it's like a come with us, you can be with us and leave the suffering behind. And he's like, okay, he's like, I'm finally ready to stop being haunted. Oh, right, and do the haunting. The haunted becomes the haunter. But then also, what is the deal with this magical doll that you can like get your dreams from it? The Saint Augustine doll. Yeah, so that's another part of the legend that was added later by people in the area, locals locals in the area. They say because this doll is the original doll that clearly had magical properties because he it looks exactly like the drowned girl. He finds it in the spot that the girl drowned. Mm-hmm. Then he throws it away downstream. There's no way it should have ended back up yeah, on the shore. Yeah, it came upstream. It's, it's literally there again. Right. And so it, according to legend, that was his favorite doll. Some people say it was the first doll. Some people say it was the second doll. I don't think it makes sense if it was the second doll. Mm-hmm. I think the legend only works if it's the first doll. So that's why I used that version. Right. Um, and because it was found on St. Augustine's Day, people think that, oh, this must be a sign that if you like leave an offering for this doll or treat it with a lot of respect and ask it very nicely, perhaps it can like 
help you with whatever you're suffering with. I love that idea because I feel like I wouldn't come up with that. Like if something haunted, scary, like a, you know, random toy kept showing up at my house, even though I threw it in a direction it could have not possibly come back, I wouldn't be like, oh, if I like pray to this and give it offerings, it's going to help me. I would be like, this shit is fucking haunted. We've got to burn it. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I know. They, in this story, they sort of turn it around into like a positive. Yeah. A negative haunting becomes a positive haunting, which we love on this show this is such a creepy story i really want to see pictures of these dolls okay well now i think comes the time where i show you what this island looks like yeah i'm picturing uh, i don't know what i'm picturing i'm scared okay (laughs) whatever you're picturing it's worse right okay so i'm going to show you a video by mexico desconocido on youtube entitled La Isla de las Muñecas in Xochimilco. I'm going to play you this video. I'm going to play it on silent um, because it is in Spanish and I believe it has copyrighted music in the background, so I don't want that captured in our audio. I'm going to upload a little clip to our Instagram and I'm also going to link this video in the comments for people who want to watch it. Ah, okay. I'm looking at this and it's very stressful. Uh, These dolls look like they've been charred. Have you guys seen Toy Story where they go to the the bad boys like the bad kids house from yes. that and he like does all those experiments on the dolls and there's the one baby doll that's like really haunted looking and it's actually not evil but it looks really evil it's like on a spider body yes yeah. it looks it, oh my god it's so much worse it looks like that everywhere oh my god you guys oh this is terrible we're just talking about like super old like burned almost looking dolls with like missing one eye or just like permanently their eyes are open staring like in a creepy gaze and they're like nailed to walls or like hanging by a noose it's not like they're put nicely in this thing and the other thing that's weird about this is like i mean i guess it's not weird but it's not like a house this is like it's like a uh made out of straw or something it looks like a very sort of primitive dwelling yeah, it's like a it's like a shack. Well, because no yeah. one lives there anymore. Like no one's lived there for years, so there's no maintenance being well, done. The first word that comes to mind is just witch. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It looks like a witch's house. Um, I don't know any other way to describe it. That's not me being rude or anything. Like if you Google witch's house, this is gonna come up. Right. This photo. And literally, there's just like clotheslines with fucking dolls all over it. There's like doll heads nailed to walls. And I can't emphasize enough that these dolls are, like, just dirty, disheveled. They look like, yeah, they've just, oh, my gosh. Like, pieces of a child. Like, like uh, think of a baby's arm just hanging from a tree. Yes. Imagine if you had a Christmas tree and you decorated it with, like, charred, decaying parts of babies. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And it's, um, I mean, I really try to not, like, knock people's hobbies or whatever, no matter how scary I found them but like this is really 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 hard for me to not do that (laughs) right well this is like the most unsettling of hobbies right because not only is it creepy in general to just see dismembered like baby doll parts hanging out Mm -hmm. but also the story behind it is that there were drowned children haunting this man yeah it would be one thing if you were just like oh this is a man who like loves dolls and perhaps he made some or perhaps they reminded him of his grandmother or something like that But no, the story is that these are like almost representative of the drowned souls that like need appeasing that come to this island to rest, which is terrifying. Horrifying and terrifying. Oh, yeah. Like it just doesn't get worse. These. Oh, my God. These eyes on these dolls are like white. Like they're just. It's horrible. 
pretty terrifying. Um, there's also like clowns. There's mannequins. There's like it's it's a lot. It's very uncanny valley. There's Barbie dolls because now remember in modern times people are leaving things when they come visit right. the island. So it's not just these antique dolls. It's um, all manner of creepy ass children's toys yeah uncanny valley is like the perfect way to describe it that's really what makes all this stuff so creepy because it's so familiar looking but it just doesn't quite seem human i'm gonna show you a picture of agustinita because i do love this kind of things i love these like haunted like genies that give you wishes and like secret buried treasure and like the idea that there's like a shortcut to all of your desires and dream oh god damn it she's showing me this picture of this doll i was picturing like a, a like a baby doll you know that i don't know not this this is a doll that's covered in mud you can't even see its skin or its eyes or its hair and uh, it's like dismembered or perhaps its arms are like put on the wrong way or something. And then it's wearing a straw hat. Um, looks like almost like a child sombrero or something like that. And then like baby's clothes that are not for a doll. Like it's a child's, it's wearing children's clothing and like a ch- child's hat, but it's a doll. It's very scary, right? It is the worst thing to see <laughs> right now. So that's Agustinita. Um, That is, according to one version of the legend, that is the first doll that washed ashore or perhaps was placed there or perhaps materialized there. We don't know. Depends on what you believe, if you're a skeptic or not. And it's supposed to be the doll that the girl drowned with or the doll that represents the drowned girl because it, it looked like her, supposedly. All right, Natalia. Part three. This is just uh, a section I titled extras because it's like little bullet points of stuff that doesn't work with the legend, but like is part of the story that may or may not be relevant. So we're going to talk about maybe some discrepancies and some other little like fun facts and things that I found in different news articles. Okay. None of these bullet points correspond to each other. I'm just going to like read you off. This is perfect. I love this. Perfect. It's rapid fire. Like here's some haunted shit. Okay. So apparently, this first bullet point, apparently there are a lot of different boat docks throughout Xochimilco, but only certain ones will take you to La Isla de las Muñecas. According to one vlog I watched by Mystery World, that's how we said it, entitled Visite la extraña isla de las mil muñecas, the correct boat ramp is called Embarcadero de Cuemanco. So if you are living in the area and you didn't know about this island, or if you are visiting the area and want to go to this island, apparently there's that's the only one that will take you to the island. Right. It sounds like everyone else is like, no, 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 this is haunted. We don't want to be a part of it. Exactly. So the next bullet point I put, a different vlog I watched talked about how there are actually a few islands in Xochimilco that have taken advantage of tourist interests in La Isla de las Muñecas. And so they've decorated their islands with dolls too in an attempt to trick people into thinking that their island is the real doll island. And then they charge you a fee to come aboard. Yeah, talk about profiting off of like extreme tragedy and misery now you're looking for demons yeah for sure if you weren't looking before you've got them now look if you didn't have a haunted doll island before it's for sure haunted now by just bad vibes (laughs) so by some accounts there are as many as five fake doll islands in xochimilco and in that same vlog the guy recording said that many of the owners of these trajineras or boats will not take you to la isla de las muñecas the real one because of its reputation for being haunted and cursed so not every boat is willing to take you there 
And those that are willing to do so do require an extra fee or cash tip for like a hazard tip because it's thought to be really hazardous. Right. Yeah, of course. This reminds yeah. me of the episode that uh, we did on that haunted island Puglia. Puglia. Oh, yeah. I can't say it right now. But the island that was... Uh, in Italy, right? In Italy, yes. Off the coast where it was like for hundreds of years, like they would just bury plague uh, victims and stuff there. And there was like a haunted hospital there. And it like it's made out of ashes of plague victims. And it was just basically fucked up, super haunted. And like you have to take a boat to get there, but no one will give you a boat there. You have to like rent a boat yourself and drive it there. And like you or, get like, in trouble. Or like pay a local a shit ton of money because they can get in trouble. Yeah. And it's like illegal to go there it's like how it really reminds me of this i think you're right I, and i think like look if i lived in a city i'm sure there's cursed places in this city but like if i lived in a city that had a fucking haunted as fuck tragic landmark like la isla de las muñecas and someone was like hey uh, can you please take me there? I'd be like, what's in it for me? I don't know you. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm not going to go on this dilapidated, falling apart swamp island. Also, with... are you a ghost? Yeah. Why like, do you want to go? Yeah. Are you haunted? That's like in Japan. If you want to go see like what is known as the suicide forest, a lot of people won't take you there because yeah. they're like, what could you possibly be doing there? That's good. Right. Like, you're either going there to harm yourself or you're going there to like ogle, ogle at people who are going to harm themselves or you've been called there by like a fucking negative scary ass spirit and like I will not speak with you yeah totally like I don't even want to like have any of your negative energy rub off on me right so I'm just gonna be like no no no. yeah don't go there try that guy yeah exactly try that guy's uh trajinera and then that guy's like well I mean I guess I'll do it for like five hundred dollars like right. I, that's obviously a gross exaggeration I'm sure it's much I'm sure it's like twenty dollars or something right. but still like I totally understand that mentality. I'm not fucking going there unless there's something in it for me. Yeah, unless you're like a hustler who's willing to get haunted for a few extra bucks, which I respect that hustle. Yeah, look. You're like, look, uh, you know what? We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, in that same vlog by Mystery World, the vlogger filming says that according to local custom, you are supposed to pick a trajinera that has a name that means something to you. Preferably, you should try to find a boat that has the same or similar name as you or one that is named after a place that you're either coming from or going to or the name of a celebration that you're celebrating. So I'm going to show you a picture of what these trajineras look like. That's um, interesting. I like that. Yeah, I think it's it's another cool part of the legend because it adds like a layer of like if look, if you are going to go to this haunted island, you got to go to this certain yeah. um dock right. you have to find someone who's willing to take you mm -hmm. and you need to find a boat that means something to you right so that way you're protected yeah oh this is very very cool okay so what Alyssa's showing me is our they're, they're trajine, what are they called trajineras it's a trajinera and it's like basically a floating table with chairs on it and super bright super colorful it has sort of like um an awning on top of it and then it they, they have like little names so one of them is muñequita uh someone's like viva loriza or something and then the other ones i can't read because they're too far away but you basically pick like a name just that means something to you or it's like where you're trying to go or something exactly so um natalia read it perfectly um there's Muñequita. So, so maybe go that one because yeah. it's where you're going is right. like the little doll. Totally. The other one is Viva Laurita. So if your name's Laura, maybe you pick that one. Right. The other one is 
Lupita. There's Julieta. Oh, you could pick Lupita because Lupita's Bakery. Oh, my God. That means something to me. I love Lupita. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, you got to go back to the Jameson family episode, (laughs) episode 17. No time to explain. Listen to the intro. (laughs) I love Lupita. She is my fucking jam. Love her. Great, great pastries as well. If you're ever in Oxnard, go there. Um, Yeah. So... I mean, it makes a lot. How, that's like a cool extra part. How right? fucking scary would it be if one of those was your actual name, first name, last name? Okay, well, Ooh. then that means you have to go to the Island of the Dolls. Like, there's no, <sighs> like, that's the point where you're like, this is too much of a coincidence. I have to go. Like, if its name was just Natalia Strawn. Right. I would just start crying. Would you just, yeah, I would like shit myself and die of a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so next bullet point. Approximately 10 people die each year in the canals of Xochimilco, and the spirits of all of those people are said to flock to the Island of the Dolls after death. And the reason why so many people die there, I mean, it depends on what you think, but it actually is similar to Lake Lanier, where because so many people have started dumping trash into the canals, it's like really hazardous. So people will go there to for celebrations, like in that video I showed you at the very beginning uh-huh. of the episode. And you can swim there, you can jump off the boats, people are drinking people are like it's like a lake party right but then they get tangled on stuff underneath the water and then and they're drunk and yeah. they, it's alcohol, really easy to drown alcohol and water sports do not mix i no. don't give a fuck what else you think and the people who go skiing drunk are like <sighs> waiting to die yeah that's like ugh, no that's just like asking for it yeah 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 okay so okay next one next bullet point You may be interested to know that the tale of La Llorona is also told each year on or around Day of the Dead in Xochimilco in the form of a play around 8 to 10 p.m. at night. La Llorona needs to be its own episode, obviously, but I thought it's pretty fucking haunted that people tell her story each year on the canals of Xochimilco. How do people not think you're just one haunted bitch if you're playing La Llorona in this play? And, like, you're scaring the shit out of people. And then afterwards, like, I mean, these are people who are, like, you know, they're willing to say that a doll that washed up is, like, you got to go pay its respects. Otherwise, it's going to come haunt you, right? So we can assume that perhaps the people in this area, like, put great meaning onto symbolism and things like that. So, like, whoever decides to play that role of fucking, like, Yarona, like, how are they not haunted? I also don't think I would feel comfortable going on the canals at night to even watch this play. Because you're just, it's like um, in LA, they do this thing sometimes where you can like hang out in like a pool or um, like a body of water and watch Jaws. No. No, absolutely not. I do like that's just asking. Where do they do that? What the fuck? I always see ads for it. It always pops up on my Instagram recommended, and I'm like, I'm never fucking doing that. Yeah, why would that be like a cool thing to do? I don't understand people. Yeah. But for those who don't know who La Llorona is, just like super quick TLDR because she needs to be her own episode. It's a legend that exists throughout a lot of Central America, Latin America. You know, it's super prevalent in Mexico. There's no like one location where this is thought to have happened. It's a story about a lady whose children drown and then she like goes crazy. In some versions, she drowns her children. In other versions, she just finds them drowned. And then she kills herself and haunts bodies of water and tries to pull children down right yeah and she's like a spirit that basically calls you or tries to drown you yes exactly so okay next bullet point some versions of this legend so i'm going to talk a little bit about discrepancies 
Some versions of this legend say that Don Julian began to look at the baby dolls he stored around his property as his own children, especially the ones he fished from the canals. He viewed them as live beings that he had rescued from the water, thereby absolving him of his inability to save the original drowning victim. You know what I'm saying? No, like, I get what you're saying, yeah. and I have a lot of thoughts. And at first, I'm like, "That's fucking really scary." Like, if if you start collecting dolls because you think that they're alive, there's some issues with you. But then I'm, my paranormal side is like, "Were the dolls actually right. alive? Is he actually saving them? Are these actually spirits who he's absolving from suffering?" Also, why are there so many baby dolls floating in the canal? Right. There must it's be weird. something to that. It's weird. And then I'm also like, um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going back and forth between like this guy was haunted or like this guy was haunted, but he was helping people. Haunted. Right, right. It's either this guy is a haunted guy or yeah. this guy was haunted by right. other things. Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. Okay, other versions of this story say that the dolls on the island are alive even still today and that they had all conspired to kill Don Julian one day, which is what led to his death. Some say that Don Julian was a religious fanatic, which could explain some of his superstitions. According to Wikipedia, one version of the legend says that Don Julian was a neighbor of this place called the Barrio de la Asuncion, where he would go to drink after selling his crops in town. And he became known for like this guy that would get drunk and like preach the Bible, but like really weird parts of the Bible, right? Like the superstitious parts, which led to people in that uh, particular neighborhood from being like, you can't drink here anymore, dude. Right, you're like you're freaking everyone us. out. Yeah. <laughs> I also wanted to point out so is that like us when we like drink at a party <laughs> and we're like did you know that during World War II the Nazis traveled to Antarctica and may have and, found hollow earth yeah and yeah. Ushuabia was actually a real mission <laughs> and everyone's like please get these haunted bitches out of our party they're not allowed to drink here ever again I know that's what I'm saying this guy is relatable I this know. guy is strangely relatable and that's it's like a it's like a fucking t- cautionary tale to us yes I also wanted to point out that in some versions of the story, Don Julian sees the girl drown, and in other versions of the story, he only finds her dead body tangled in the lilies on the edge of his island. So another discrepancy. Some versions of this legend state that Don Julian heard the girl, the girl's ghost crying out, I want my doll, and that's what led to him hanging up the first doll. Then, after that moment, every time he went outside, he found a new doll hanging from one of the trees. In this version of the story, Don Julian collected no dolls. He just magically found a new one every time he walked outside. And finally, there is a story associated with La Isla de las Muñecas concerning some tourists that I thought was freaky and wanted to share with our listeners. Apparently, Some tourists decided to visit the island one day, and as a souvenir, one of them decided to take one of the dolls with them when they left. Oh my god, how could they not know better? Later that night, they were driving somewhere when, for unknown reasons, the car swerved off the road for no reason. There was nothing in front of them. Hit a tree, people were ejected from the vehicle, everyone was killed instantly. When the police came to the wreck site, they saw the doll was there. (gasps) They were creeped out to find everyone inside and outside the vehicle that had been ejected, bloody, dead, some of them dismembered, sprawled all over the place. But the doll was sitting perfectly upright on the seat, unbothered, no seatbelt on. What do you do if you're a cop then? Cry, shit myself and die. That's my, everything. Everything is like every bodily function at once. Right. Are you just like, do I not look into the story because this doll is like warning me and I don't want the doll to like come haunt me. 
Like, do I just leave and pretend I didn't see this and let some other cop yeah. deal with it? Like, what do what I do? What do you do? Uh, ah, that one scared me the most. That Yeah, no, that's terrifying. That's horrifying. Okay. Final part four, final part of the story, the theories. There aren't that many. Okay. I'm just going to read them to you. You tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. Theory number one. Don Julian was actually suffering from delusions and there was never any drowned girl and therefore he never actually saw any spirits. In this theory, the legend was started due to Don Julian suffering from a mental illness or psychotic break that caused him to imagine seeing the dead body of a child. Becoming fixated on trying to rid himself of his delusions, he began collecting dolls, thinking that it would keep the hallucinations at bay. A point towards this theory is that nobody has ever been able to link any drowning death from the 50s or 60s to this particular location. However, it should be noted that record keeping in the 50s and 60s was terrible in this part of the world. And so it's possible that it, that this death really did happen and the record was either just lost with time or not well maintained mm-hmm. or perhaps never even logged. Mm-hmm. Another point for this theory is that people point out that it seems that Don Julian suffered from some sort of mental mental break in the first place that caused him to abandon his entire family and move to the Chinampa and Xochimilco. However, a counterpoint to this idea is that sometimes people just want to be alone and that doesn't yeah. make them like having a psychotic break. Yeah. And I think that like normalize having psychotic breaks because I feel like uh, it's not that unheard of. And like the more we make it seem like this weird thing, the more people who are having a mental breakdown like try to hide it and then they just like go crazy and do bad things. Totally. So, um, I don't think it's that weird to like have a psychotic breakdown. I think that you should definitely get it checked out, but don't be afraid of it. You know, like just be like, okay, my body's telling me some things that uh, need that there obviously some needs are not being met. Perhaps I can fill those gaps with medicine or therapy. Let's figure this out. <laughs> totally. I love that. Yeah. Destigmatize having getting so stressed out that you have a panic attack right. or a mental breakdown or, you know, um, some type of intrusive thought because right. if we destigmatize it then rather than hide it or yeah. run from it like perhaps in this theory don julian was running from some sort of problem or it feels like he can't tell anyone because they're gonna think you're he's crazy right yeah. like instead of that being the outcome if we talk about it and normalize it then people perhaps will feel more empowered to go get help right. because you can't ignore it i'm yeah. not saying normalize it to the point where it's like oh it's normal and i'm it's not fine. gonna do anything like, i'm having a mental breakdown it's it's normal no that's not what we're saying we're saying get rid of the stigma behind it so that you can be like oh yeah sorry I can't come to brunch I'm having a mental breakdown and I need to go to the hospital yeah I need to call my doctor or I need yeah. to make an appointment or I need to get a therapist or yeah I need to go to the hospital like, and then your friends are like okay cool we support you instead yeah. of being like that's that's fucking weird we can't be friends anymore or you're lying come to brunch yeah I was just about to say come on bitch come to brunch bottomless mimosas will help your psychotic break okay theory number two The child never existed, but Don Julian was not suffering from delusions. The canals are just so haunted that what he actually saw the entire time was spirits, including a spirit masquerading as a dead child. Yeah, I think that's the one. This would explain the lack of records linking the death of a child to this location because there never was a child. It Mm -hmm. was always a ghost. In this theory, Don Julian was haunted by ghosts the entire time. Mm -hmm. But this theory begs the question, why are the canals so haunted? Some people say it's so haunted because of the sheer number of people that die in these canals each year from a combination of drinking while being on boats or swimming and getting tangled in trash and plants under the water. 
other people believe that there's a connection between La Llorona and how many people are dying here. Mm. Some people think that La Llorona lives in the canals. And since La Llorona is known for drowning people, especially children, perhaps the spirits of dead children he was seeing were caused by La Llorona. Mm-hmm. Other people think that this child could have been the ghost of a child that lived during the time that Xochimilco was Tenochtitlan. Yeah. And uh, like we said at the beginning of this episode, Tenochtitlan honestly needs to be its own episode, so I won't go super deep into it. But basically, it was the capital of the Aztec Empire built on a swamp. And Xochimilco's chinampas are all that remain today since Mexico City's modern metropolis replaced it. In fact, chinampas were actually invented by the Aztec civilization. In this theory, the child spirit witnessed by Don Julian could have been an Aztec child murdered by the Spanish conquistadors, or it could have been a Spanish child killed during a battle, or it could have been the spirit of a human sacrifice victim carried out by the Aztec Empire. However, points against this sub-theory are the seemingly modern clothes that the ghost child was wearing and the fact that while the Aztecs did practice some human sacrifice, it was normally confined to temples. So the soul of one of these victims being found in a chinampa doesn't necessarily make sense. Hmm. But that doesn't mean it couldn't have been a ghost child. Perhaps it's not an Aztec ghost, but perhaps it is a ghost of a child drowned by La Llorona or just a victim that drowned there of, you know, some accident. Right. Hmm, I have my own theory, but I'm going to see if it's already a theory. Theory number three. The child existed, and the reason that Don Julian was so wrought with guilt over her death is because he is the person that killed her. Oh my god, no. Perhaps he killed her through an action, like in the version of the story where he instead where instead of saving her, he just watches her drown from the shore. Or perhaps he literally killed her. In the latter theory, people argue that a well-adjusted person would never feel personally responsible for the death of someone that they don't know who just happened to die near them. For example, if you're shopping at the grocery store and someone dies of a heart attack in the aisle next to you, you're likely going to be shocked and maybe even a bit traumatized, but you're not necessarily going to feel personally responsible and personal guilt. Therefore, Don Julian's guilt indicates that he must have been directly involved in her death, according to this theory. Additionally, why would the spirit of a small, innocent child be haunting Don Julian unless he directly caused harm to her in some way? If he had just been nearby when she died or tried and failed at CPR, you'd think that the ghost wouldn't be holding such an apparent personal grudge against him. I feel like whoever wrote that theory doesn't have children because I really disagree. I think that if I was living out in a remote place and I heard a child drowning and I got there for whatever reason, not to like I got there too late. The fact that I had just heard the sound and like wasn't able to get there fast enough, I would always blame myself. Even if it wasn't my child, I would have personal blame because I think once you have children, you feel like this like part of your heart open up that wasn't there before and it makes you a lot more empathetic even to like people's children who aren't your own but okay just playing devil's advocate i'm not saying i agree but devil's advocate he abandoned his child so Mm. do we think that he would have had such a deep level of empathy for children i don't know he could have i'm just playing devil's advocate (sighs) i don't know i mean maybe that was like he felt double fucked up because when you're abandoning a child he might be able to reason it for himself like oh I'm not a good dad or like I you know what for whatever reason I can't be here in the child's life but the child's not like literally drowning in front of him that's true yeah maybe it was just a problem with 
um the child's mother and yeah. he it was too painful and you're right maybe he felt like a bad dad yeah. inadequate maybe a new man was in that child's life and mm-hmm. he felt like he'd been replaced we don't know right yeah i don't know maybe he didn't get custody of the kid who knows that's true theory number four the final theory the child existed and don julian was not responsible for her death the child's ghost was not haunting him out of malevolence. It was simply existing as residual energy with no thoughts, feelings, or autonomy of, his, of its own. In this theory, a ghost is just an imprint and not capable of causing harm to others. However, because it would be super fucking scary in general to see a ghost, <laughs> Don Julian was interpreting its presence as being threatening and projecting his own fears onto it. This explains why he continued to see the ghost even after supposedly appeasing it. This, to me, is the creepiest theory, because in this theory, a ghost is just an empty shell of a human's residual energy, doomed to wander the earth, unthinking and unfeeling until the end of time. And because it's unthinking and has no agenda, that means that there's nothing we can do to get rid of them, no matter how freaky they look or how Mm. much seeing them terrifies us. It's interesting. It's just kind of like an NPC, right? Like you're playing a video game and there's like one like person who there there's like a side quest that hasn't been activated that just like keeps walking around and they're like oh what's behind this bush and you're like I don't have time for that I'm doing something else right now yes. but like I'll come back to it later but that thing that's like oh what's behind this bush like it just keeps doing that forever until you go and release it somehow by like completing the side quest you know totally and I think this could also be tied into stone tape theory right. which you guys may remember from our Le Loyon episode that we did last year no time to explain if you want to know about stone tape theory you got to go back and listen to that yeah but all that being said natalia part five the discussion i'm interested to know your final thoughts on this story i'm feeling really seen that i get my own portion of the story this is your time to shine (laughs) um i feel like there's one theory that's not being put out there what if this piece of land specifically is this like fucking haunted ass piece of land that like eats souls right oh. and so that's why originally the people who came it was like a swamp right yeah. that's why originally the people who came and discovered it they saw like whatever the bird was on the cactus with the snake in its mouth it was like hey create this land bring me souls you know oh interesting like, like dredge this area so that we can have fucking canals to come to my heart So something in this theory, something evil is already living there, has been there since the beginning of time and is drawing people in to bring it souls to consume. Right. It's like, I I don't know the word for it. I'm sure there's a better word for it. But we've done some episodes where we talked about like the land itself could be cursed for by by whatever reason, like past bloodshed or perhaps there was just some crazy thing that happened there that just made this land barren for whatever reason and maybe it became a swamp because it was a place that like humans weren't supposed to be and this you know creature or whatever it was uh like just was like let's get the humans to drain this to bring them to me i don't know yeah i mean who's to say that's another theory we didn't discuss you're right it could have been that the land is just inherently haunted right yeah yeah i mean (sighs) who is to say i another thing i wanted to say that just i didn't write this down but um also living in Xochimilco are axolotls. What's that? Um, axolotls are these little like salamanders that live underwater. Some people have them as pets, but they're an endangered species. Oh. But the Aztecs thought that axolotls um, 
were uh, an extension of like a god or something divine. <gasps> so your point of the land, perhaps the land wasn't cursed. Mm-hmm. It's just spiritual in mm-hmm. nature, supernatural in nature right. and seems to draw in good and bad. Yeah. I mean, I believe that it's like almost like the natural feng shui of an area like causes energy to either become stagnant there or to like flow through there. And we can feel that like when you go for a hike somewhere, like you might feel like energized afterwards. Was it because you're getting your blood pumping and circulation was increasing or was it because you were taking in the spirit of the trees, Who like the spirit of the water? Yeah, yeah, certainly not I. <laughs> <laughs> So what is what theory do you think is your favorite of the ones that I read to you? If you had to pick, it doesn't have to be the one you believe in. Just maybe the one you think is most interesting or can the we, one that stuck. Can with we you. like recap them for a second? One was that he was just suffering delusions. Let's mark that one out just because uh, it's not interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. not interesting. And it's not mutually exclusive. You can be suffering delusions and also be getting haunted. Absolutely. Totally agree. Probably getting haunted would cause you to suffer seeing halluc- hallucinations. Right? right. OK, so yeah. Theory number one was that he's imagined the whole thing none of it's real theory number two is the child never existed but he did see the ghost of a drowned child because this is like just an area where a lot of people die and there's a lot of energy and for some reason he was able to see that it was just haunting him yes theory number three is the child was real and he may have contributed to the child's death i don't like that one so no Theory number four was that the child is real. He's not responsible for the child's death. and But the child wasn't haunting because it was malevolent. It's just like stone tape. It's stone tape. It's yeah. just like there existing. But obviously as a human, if I were to see a fucking ghost with canal water seeping out of right. its mouth, uh. I would be like, this is the worst day of my life. Yeah. I don't know. I forgot about that thing where he was like laying in the bed and he sees it's like decaying body above him and then it opens its mouth and canal water falls on him. Nothing I hate more than like weird water that you don't (laughs) know is like touching you. Yes. Like when you're you're like, ew, I sat in something wet or like, uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't like that. So um, I don't know. I really like the theory that like this is an actual spirit that he's seeing that perhaps wasn't this child, but it's like an embodiment of all of the spirits that have died there before. Do you think the child would have been a spirit caused by La Llorona? Or is that just like a red herring because they just happened to to tell the story on Day of the Dead at that location? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like... If they, I feel like it can't help. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's not helping for sure to tell that story there. So right. like I have to feel like perhaps they're related. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely, that's why I added it as a bullet point because I'm like, this doesn't really fit in anywhere, but I think it's like interesting enough to mention yeah. that like not only is this haunted by a doll island, but this area is also where people tell the story of La Llorona. Yeah. 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 I, yeah like I said, I don't think it helps at all. Yeah. Well, let me read my sources for this episode, and then I'm going to ask you for your sign-off. Sources for this episode include the following. If you would like to visit the official website of Isla de las Muñecas, it is isladelasmuñecas.com. Also, Wikipedia. Also, an Atlas Obscura article entitled La Isla de las Muñecas, Island of the Dolls, an island filled with hundreds of hanging, decomposing, and decapitated dolls. The next is an article called La Perturbadora y Triste Historia de la Isla de las Muñecas by Luis Bustamante for La Razón.es. Um, also, an article by Pepe H. of BuzzFeed News called Una Visita a la Isla de las Muñecas se Convirtió en una Experiencia Aterradora. 
also a YouTube video entitled La Isla de las Muñecas en Xochimilco, uploaded by the channel Mexico Desconocido. Also a Yahoo News article entitled La Isla de las Muñecas Diabolicas. Um, and there was no author listed on that um, article. That's the spirit wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> Natalia, can I ask you for your sign off? Yeah, but one thing before I say my sign-off I just wanted to say is thank you so much for doing this episode. And I think that uh, you did such a great job, especially we're, like, very lucky as a community to have your Spanish-speaking skills. Oh, thank you. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really glad that you were able to share some of this. And everyone give a big round of applause to Allie for sharing her talents with us because I don't think that this story would have been covered thoroughly by anyone else who can't speak Spanish, namely myself, because I heard a lot of those sources sounded like they were in Spanish. Oh, thank you so much, Natalia. Yeah. Um, and I would like to shout out all of our Mexican listeners who brought this to my attention. And if any of you live in the area or grew up hearing the legend and there's anything else you want to add that perhaps is not readily available to me online because it's something that's been passed down orally um, amongst families or communities, definitely go to at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram and add to the story. I did my best. I read, um, I tried to read as many sources and watch as many videos in Spanish as I could because I feel like sometimes the English English translation loses some of the original meaning but if there's anything I got wrong or if there's any additional creepy shit that you know bring your expertise mm -hmm. yeah BRB gotta go book a plane ticket for Mexico City and find a boat that resembles my name take it to Isla de Muñecas find the St. Augustine doll and ask her like what we should do about the podcast next yeah. <laughs> bye, bye.